Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, this is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. Our comrade crew is in today, Carl and Ty. And uh, we wanted to talk about some local current events and give you our take on them. Um, I think there's a broader context. Obviously, we'll work into it. Um, if you enjoy a certain adversarial tone and relationship between our kind of media and powerful people, politically powerful people, you'll probably enjoy this episode. Um, if you just... You know, you like the establishment narrative to be reinforced and your manufactured consent, you know, to happen, then, you know, you might not. But here we go. <laughs> Hello, Ty. Hello, Carl. How are you guys doing? Hey. Hey, hey. So, topic number one, uh, the Darius Brown situation. So, just today, to, to date, uh, the, when we're talking, uh, Darius Brown was stripped of his uh, chair of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. And uh, he was replaced by Senator uh, Kyle Evans Gay. Um, the reason that happened is about a week ago, uh, I guess Sunday over the weekend. This is a Thursday. Uh, he had a he had a fit uh, at at dinner with I, I I guess his wife. I don't know if he's married. Uh, so it was a woman who who he he was he was mad about a post. Somebody did bad posts apparently, and he punched her in the head. And then, like, threw his glass down in a, in a public restaurant and left. Um, so now, yeah, he's he's turned himself in. Um, and so there's there's misdemeanor charges uh, on him, and and so there, he's facing some professional ramifications. Um, Ty, what is your first reaction to just this story? Just to this story, my first reaction is gonna is so I'm biased. I'm going to tell you that right now, because immediately when I when I read this, my first reaction was, why is this mugshot in the um, newspaper? My second reaction was, why, when it happens to other officials, do we have to work so hard to find the information? Since when has Delaware State Police started reporting on stuff like this? I mean, I could go on and on if we want to go on for days, but I just think it's quite odd how detailed the reports were as well. Well, I tell you this, and Carl, I think, is aware of it. I've brought up the issue of the mugshot that they use. Like, I brought that up with the News Journal for years and years and years. I, I think that's a really, I mean, talk about manufactured consent. It's just getting you to get, you know, a certain feeling about the person because you see them at the, exactly like the worst time in their life. And and again, we didn't see Andrea Bennett's mugshot. I don't remember saying And so... And so when she, and, and again, we, we might as well just get right into it because I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I guess late last year, uh, maybe I, I don't remember exactly when uh, she had her incident. She was at a party uh, in the neighborhood during the, you know, just with people in the neighborhood during the, the COVID. She walked home. Uh, I guess she was a, a little bit inebriated, as we say. And uh, and there was an argument and there was a little an altercation. Um, now, uh, seems fairly similar type of type of thing. Um now those charges were dropped because the 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 victim, who obviously is the partner, is just interested in like getting on with it. Fair enough. I, I don't have a problem with that. But yeah, like I, I do. Why? But why? Because normally they don't let victims do that. So since when has this been a thing? Well, I think I I, I would be surprised if if the same thing. And and, and I guess it depends on the person. But I have seen I have seen I have been in. <laughs> I've been personally involved in one. Similar... Alice Morton, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I've I've sort of like alluded to it in the past, but I there was a big dust up, uh, and um, and yeah, and then the same thing happened because it was like a personal situation. So the other guy, like they just were like, yeah, we don't want to do anything. So I went to court and they told me uh, they're not going to do anything, and I just left. So I, I do know that it that it, it does can happen. It can happen. Mm -hmm. However, um. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the mugshot actually really rubs me the wrong way. Because everything you see with Andrea Bennett is just her her picture. And and what the what my friends in the news journal used to tell me was, well, when we run the mugshots, it's like the only picture that we have for a person. Which is potential that's potentially true. It's a dodge, because what you see here is they could have used any picture. There's hundreds of pictures of Darius Brown they could have used. But again, this is... um. 
This is not this is not new. This is a, not a new technique that's being utilized um, to basically get you to feel a certain kind of way about a certain kind of thing and get you to feel another way about another kind of thing. I, I completely agree with you. I think my biggest thing is is that um, it seems to, and I've had this conversation before with people, uh, even when it comes to juveniles, and it comes to how the wording and how it's framed in the media is made a certain kind of way. And I've had a conversation with people and I've actually asked them to not to stop sharing it. If you want to share it privately, that's one thing, but please stop sharing this stuff publicly because we can say we don't like the way it's being reported, but then we keep sharing it because that's what they're going to keep reporting it that way. And I'm a big domestic violence advocate. Um, but however, with that being said, I know lots of people, I try not to judge people when it comes to domestic violence situations. Because if you start reading my, if you had some conversations about some stuff that I've done in the past, you'd be like, this girl is completely thrown off her rocker. But when you come to domestic violence relations, in domestic relationships, uh, that's personal. There's a lot of other factors. And I try to, I try to mind my business, you know, on that aspect. My biggest yeah. issue is the mugshot. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't like the mugshot. And, and again, I'm the other sort of issue I have with it um is you know i did say with the, when when we when we talked about the bennett situation before i think i said like i i'd give people some leeway in like personal situations i don't think it's good and i think there should be consequences but i was in my own situation i just talked about like i went and you know caused the dust up at, at my house cuz my ex-wife had her boyfriend over and so that's it. that's what i did. i mean i so i did it i I'm, i did domestic violence i mean i i have to admit that uh, but it wasn't something I'm proud of, and it was like one of the worst, you know, moments of my life. And so I dealt with the consequences, and then you move on. So I do have sympathy for, for, uh, it's for for people. However, I also brought up that she had some prior sort of, uh, we'll call it poor behavior, maybe unprofessional behavior. And so people bring up the Darius Brown thing, and they're like, "Well, he didn't pay his taxes." Okay, again. This, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a violent crime. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's, it's, it's not great, uh, but it's not that bad. Now, why, why, again, why is Darius Brown getting the treatment he's getting and, and Andrea Bennett not getting that? I don't, I don't in the same that. session. Isn't it the in same a, session? I think so. Well, that was before, was it before the session that the Bennett thing happened? I don't know. Carl's our, uh, our resident fact, uh, general assembly fact checker. Yeah, so the Andrea Bennett um, arrest was back in December, so it was technically before session started, and this happened over the weekend. Yeah, so, I mean, it's basically the same. I mean, it's December, the session started the next month, so it's these incidents happen sort of in the same cycle, we'll say. Yes, but is she still, didn't she also, isn't she a chair of a committee or two? She's chair of the gaming, uh, whatever it's called, the gambling committee, basically. Checks out. And again, I, I think um, I will say this. I, I think this the. Uh, there was uh, Sokola was quoted in the uh, in the story about removing uh, Brown from the chair of the Judiciary Committee. And I know it puts him in a, it, it put the leadership in the Senate in a little bit of a spot because they are, you know, there was just big changes there, big progressive changes. And. You know, people that have that political agenda don't really want to stand for this shit. And so they might have been, they, you know, they're better people than the leadership in the House. I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to spell it out any better. Um, and I think it's a little bit different when you're on the Judiciary Committee than when you're on, like, the, the Delaware Park Dover Downs Committee. So I, uh, both of those things I, I kind of get. Um, and I guess I'm just trying to like knock down the talking points that you're going to hear about people complaining about this because they want to, they, for some reason they want to trash Darius Brown, but they don't want to trash Andrea Bennett. Yeah. And I just don't get that. And I just don't get how it's, I don't get it. I really don't. But I think the most important part of this is we can't help to think that he is a black male and we don't have very many black males who are in those, um, you know, positions. And I think that this goes back to why a lot of times, you know, it's hard for people to stand up for things or stand in a situation, you know, when things are right. 
because it puts them in a light of scrutiny as they should be. And I say, I'm going to give him the same level of scrutiny as I did Andrea Bennett. I feel like at a certain points, you should definitely, you have to be cognizant of what titles you have and what's at stake. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we've talked about her, her situation too. And I think these are, these are very analogous in, in a lot of different ways that we just talked about. Um, I, I, I don't know if people are going to accept what we're saying. Um, I also want to point out that Darius Brown's politics, my first reaction was, I mean, obviously I, I expected the, the, uh, the different, uh, you know, the different takes, one in a sort of a, a neutral light and one in a negative light. But Darius Brown is a, a bit of a careerist. Um, he's, he's been a, a huge disappointment in my, in my view, and I think he's let the caucus down. And I think he's let activists down. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very reticent to, to, jump to, to jump to his defense when I see a political adversary sort of like sort of fluttering. My first instinct is to put my boot on their face and just kick him into the moat. Um, but, but, I mean, you can't. And, and so, uh, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, bud, if you hear this and we can put... <laughs> And welcome we can, to Jerky Town. Welcome to Jerky Town, number one. And just remember, just remember who 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 fucking stuck up for you. Just remember who who looked at this and said, you know, this is a little bit of a they're 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 taking a they're 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 taking it out of Darius and they're making it look like, you know, and it is pretty bad. They're they're spinning it in the most negative possible light with the uh, with uh, now there's there's been ramifications professionally that Andrea Bennett didn't have. They didn't use her mugshot. Um, it's all. It was always her her professional uh, rep photo. She didn't, you know. So, and and again, her her background is also not great. So I don't want to hear any of this, like all any of that. And I just hope that um, you know maybe 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 Darius will have a, a sort of a change of heart politically and understand like what it's really about, what politics are really about. And it's not about like getting a promotion necessarily. I, I, and who's your allies and who's your comrades? So you can't just. Am I? I mean, am I not? This everybody understands what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Who, I, who's... Oh, I understand 100. percent That's the reason why I said I'm not going to publicly bash him. <clears throat> However, you know, sometimes we have to get our karma because we lose track of our yeah. of where we were going. And I guess that's the thing too is I always talk about that. Like a lot of things don't get done because people don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And I don't like, like, I'm not a huge fan of that. I think that, that actually, that's one of the big things, especially in Dover of how, because it's so, uh, so cloistered and incestuous that like, that's one of the biggest things. That's why there are Darius Browns that can't like, that don't feel, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's just a careerist. I, I don't know. But I also know that there are people that feel held back and I hope that Little by little, those people can feel like they have an army of comrades behind them that we're going and we're going to keep, you know, we're going to keep trying to send people to help them. We're going to keep supporting them, um, you know, whenever we need to do that, because I think it's important to know. I like that you said that. I think it was very important that you said that we're going to that they have comrades and we're building like this movement is building and we need to hold each other accountable. And I challenge anyone if I ever get off course, don't let me to my mugshot shows up. I want you to call me out way before that, because I think it's important that we, you know, stay true to the cause, stay true to the movement, mission at hand, because anybody could be easily distracted, but we shouldn't get this far off course. Totally, you made a willful choice. Yeah, to I, I obviously totally agree. And, um, you know, but but a as we all said, you know, I, I think people should recognize this for what it is. And, um, kind of maybe maybe do a little inventory of their own lives uh, before they start, like, you know, going crazy about a, a particular incident or instance, um, you know, and try to find out a little more information. And don't get swayed just because, you know, they decide to run somebody's mugshot instead of their professional portrait. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, so topic number two, and this is one where Carl's going to have to get involved because I know he has um, he has a lot to say about this now. This headline will grab you. BPG proposes Wilmington's first luxury, comma, boutique hotel. 
Now, Amanda Fries, I don't know her. She's fairly new. Um, I'm not going to, I don't have any problem with this story because it is a story that people should know and it's a totally neutral thing. Now, now what, what the, the good part of this story, and this is what I want to f- just really focus on. Now, obviously, BPG is going to work with this fancy hotel company and they're going to uh, put a, a boutique hotel in the, uh, that that the building downtown used to have Kumba Academy in it. It is it is a beautiful uh, building. It's a shame what they're going to do to it. <clears throat> now she gets a bunch of terrible quotes from like the, the you know Dave Pollen from Buccini Pollen Group and all this bullshit. Uh, but but this is the best one. This is this is Przicki. Wilmington Mayor Mike Przicki expressed confidence in the high quality product would attract clientele. That the high that confidence the high quality quality product would uh, attract clientele, high quality product. That's what it is. Remarking that the city has struggled in the past to attract higher end redevelopment, but now it's quote an embarrassment of riches, Perziki said. I mean, it's an embarrassment. That's that's accurate. That part is true. This is the this is what really grabs you. This is what we got to talk about. Quote. All of a sudden, we've got all these high-end products coming to the downtown. I'm happy to have them. It's a problem that 10 years ago, nobody would have dreamt we'd be having. Hmm. And so my response to that on Twitter was that I guess the problems that we actually did have 10 years ago, that we still have today, I guess they're going to have to wait. Literally. So... Carl, on on the, on the back of you sending me, on like the middle, of, on like a Saturday night when I'm supposed to be having fun, sending me the story of the big new development, Riverfront East, which is which they like to tell you is sort of connected to Southbridge, sort of. Okay, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Just take A Street down. There it is. <laughs> it's there. What what? Why is I mean I know why it's happening, and I know that the, all the capitals there because of the, you know everything that's going on and but we we just cannot make this stop, can we? It's impossible. I mean, I can just jump in with the most leftist take I have, which is is this is essentially a colonial project, like to the extent that us trying to colonize Africa or something is it's trying to go into a place that has its own issues, its own culture, its own everything, and trying to essentially wholesale replace it with what you want to be there, which is a boutique. And I, I, pardon my ignorance, I don't understand why Hotel DuPont wouldn't be considered a boutique hotel. I don't know the differences I, in these things. I'm going to say it has something to do with the size. So, Oh, like it's small? Yes, it means small. Boutique... High-end boutique hotel just means small, fancy hotel. I think, and it's and and again, they tr- they try to pretend like it's not a chain. When BPG already owns a hotel, Dupont number one, they already own this building. They're just paying a fancy hotel company to come and put a fancy hotel there, where they have these fancy hotels all over the country. Now they're going to name it something like fucking, you know, Przicki's Palace or something, but it's it's the same. It's 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 the same shit. It's a block by block reclaim or not reclaiming. It's a claiming, a block by block claiming of these different areas to try to push into poorer. And so this is not, if this was like on Shipley Street, that'd be even worse. So luckily it's not. But like, you know, it's, it's very easy to notice as you walk down Marcus Street, as you get closer and closer to, say, 4th Street, that things change. Um, and that as you move further out, um, that'd be West, I guess, towards Shipley Street and Orange Street, that things change. Um, And the goal of the Przicki project that everybody knows, everybody knows, we know, Przicki knows, everybody in between knows, is he wants to get rid of that change and wants it all to be the same thing. And that's the goal of Riverfront East. That's the goal of this. And essentially... The way that the city council certainly is right now, yeah, there's no way to stop it unless you physically occupy places like this and stop it from happening. Um, but 
you know, that's, that would take a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of, um, a lot of guts and a lot of restraint on the part of the people who are on the other side of that, that I'm not convinced exists. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Um, it happens by the media. The people see it and they think it's cool. They don't even, uh, kind of put it in this context, but yeah, it's not, you know, he's so happy to have this embarrassment of riches, but like, it, this this will do zero for homelessness. Whatever problem we have with... It'll uh, do negative for homelessness be, because it's, it's going to raise the property values of everything around it and that's going to make more people homeless. Co- correct. It's a, because it's people a, don't own their homes. It's an it's it's really a, an imperial project. And I hate, to bring, I hate to bring this up, but I know maybe this will get out to some normies. Uh, but there is a book. Chris Hayes from MSNBC wrote a book called A Colony in a Nation. Uh, it's... it's, a, it's sort of on this topic about how the, the the neighborhoods we're talking about that are problematic, that have uh, social uh, problems that we can't seem to solve, housing problems we can't seem to solve, healthcare problems we can't seem to solve. Um, we just We just sort of take them, push them, marginalize them as much as possible and and run them as a as a as a as a colony, as a colonial sort of situation an empire and we have to start looking at it like this and i and i know that they're trying to deflect sort of the the gentrification claims um the whatever whatever the buzzword is um as a sort of a preemptive measure to say you know it doesn't fit the definition because x y and z it's it is that it is it's it's pushing that yeah, it's raising it's raising rents and pushing people further to the margins, and actually, as Carl said, exacerbating the problems that we have ten years ago, that we had twenty years ago, that we still have. So he he he's Perzicki is basically in that quote realizing a dream of his um, that is that is when you think about it, incredibly disgusting. He is talking about you know making money and fancy stuff and building and you know building Versailles. And, you know, the cops still kill people in the streets. You know, there's still somebody living in my fucking, in, 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 in the, the bus stop at the end of my block. We can't fucking do anything about it. You know, Matt Myers getting CARES funds to, to turn a hotel uh, into a, a social service and housing. And Przicki is is building a boutique hotel. That tells you, I, I know Matt Meyer, again, is a normie. Maybe I'm talking a lot of normie shit today for people because I feel like otherwise I'm going to go down to, maybe I'm trying to counterbalance the, the leftist uh, empire critique that Carl gave. But, but I mean, the, the, the distinction could not be clearer about the two kinds of things that we're dealing with. And it has nothing to do with party. It has nothing to do with anything other than an idea of, you know, capital making money marginalizing people and not solving people's material problems and catering to the affluent and the cops. Yeah. And you know, so they're spending all, you know, they want to develop this boutique hotel. If you want to solve like the homelessness issue, for example, there is, I'm looking at the map here. There's like four square blocks of parking lots over here, right by Shipley street. You could, you know, develop, affordable housing have it owned by community land trust there's a lot of things you can do um besides just giving these massive subsidies to like colonial parking for example um that would actually help people in this area would actually you know develop because they you know they talk about development and making things better i agree we should build more houses for people to live in i'm I'm a fan of that but it should be for the people who actually need it and not for the people who are going to be imported essentially from either the suburbs or from another rich city into Wilmington to displace and harass because that's what's going. That's what always happens when this happens is people move in. They don't like the people that are already there. Police complaints go through the roof. Police brutality goes through the roof. Which, if that's not already an issue in Wilmington, and then slowly but surely the borders get pushed out. The green zone gets pushed out, um, and the people who are left in those existing places they either have to move. Or they have to, you know, hold on to their last little thing until it eventually disappears. 
Yeah, it's funny. It's not a new thing. No, and it's funny that you bring up Shipley Street, right, you know, the block behind it, because, you know, we've had conversations, we're working on some projects even to sort of highlight the stuff that Michael Kambach knows is coming. I mean, he's trying to get everybody prepared, mentally and physically prepared because that's that's the move. Yeah, and, and if you're going to put a boutique hotel uh, in that building, you're certainly not going to build affordable housing around the corner from it because that, you know, that's how, you know, I mean, that's how they choked out... Uh, uh, Eric Garner, right? They just had to get him off the block because they were building fancy apartments up there, and they had to go out and, and uh, you know, and rough everybody up. Yeah, because you can develop around there. You can make more creative vision factories. Like there's there's plenty of things you can do that are both like great in terms of um, like their you know whatever cultural enrichment you want to call it, um, but also are designed and benefit and lift up. They don't just, you know, meet base needs, but they elevate, elevate the existing members of the community. But that's not like, you know, the people that, when you're walking around Shipley Street that are hanging out there, they're not going to be the ones staying or probably even having a job in this hotel. They're going to yeah. be the ones that the people who are staying in that hotel call the cops against because they're sitting out on the corner. Right. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about this with Carl Baker, and that's what I was trying to like get through to them if 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 you're trying to make certain cells or rows or columns in a fucking excel spreadsheet go up so your assets go up so it's an embarrassment of riches um you don't care about any of that that's a nuisance that's treated as a nuisance it, it's just a dehumanizing sort of calculation that Przyki and real estate developers are doing to make numbers on a spreadsheet go up and some of those spreadsheets are, are, are uh, you know, Rob Buccini's, uh, you know, checkbook. So that these decisions are not designed. When somebody says we're going to make our assets go up and we're going to raise the tax base, what you should hear in your mind is marginalized people colonize these neighborhoods, occupy them, and, and, and dehumanize human beings because that's not going to make the number on the, 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 their calculation, their formulas in that spreadsheet don't have people's lives. Uh, count. There's no, no, there's no variable in there that, that uh, thinks about that. I can assure you that doesn't exist. Well, well that's a, the kind of conversations that we have to have, because I think too, it's not about, because sometimes people will say, Oh, it depends on who's at the table. It doesn't necessarily, because sometimes people who are at the table don't look at things. They can't see the bigger picture. You know, and so you have to, these are the conversations that we have to have within our own circles and with people that think these things are a good idea rather than just like attacking it on social media or, you know, in conversation, we have to have a conversation with them and bring the drive this point home to them to get them to see how this stuff happens. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a process. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the, the, the settler colonial process, that's a great segue into our last, uh, topic um we we're seeing it right now obviously uh in in palestine um i i mentioned in an opening a week ago or so i think it's coming out tomorrow uh i mean it what we're watching is is an apartheid state um there's certain by classification of person um you know you 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 may get papers you may not um if you're in the west bank you can't take certain roads because you're occupied um, you know, that's, that's bad enough. You know, Jim Crow is bad enough. Uh, but then when the court system is, is there to, uh, you know, just rubber stamp claims to sort of ethnically cleanse neighborhoods, um, that we saw in, in Sheikh Jarrah in, in, uh, in East Jerusalem, uh, or they can go into the mosque, uh, on the Eid and, 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 you know, and throw, you know, stun grenades inside the mosque, um, I got to tell you, friends, they're they're ethnically cleansing these areas, and and we're and we're just you know we're listening to, you know, our my neighbor and our U.S. Senator Christopher Andrew Coons talk about how Israel's defending itself. That's a lie. He's a liar, and sort of like uh, sort of like Ty said about like people knowing, like everybody knows. He knows he's lying. He knows what this is. He's he's a smart. He's a smart little human thumb. And, and, and uh, history will judge. Just like history judges people who, like, 
didn't denounce apartheid in South Africa. People judge those people. People know who called Mandela a terrorist. It's documented. That's you. That's Chris Coons. You know, and 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 don't and don't uh, don't forget he is a bolt. He is a key bolt that holds this coalition together, as a, as a reactionary um, sort of conservative Democrat. In in the position he's in, um, you know, and, and Biden does send him off on certain foreign policy stuff, and he holds a, you know, some of the, the, the that middle together with the with the reactionaries in the Senate. So make no mistake, the guy who lives over here in the Highlands. Is a, is a key, key bolt holding the coalition together to allow apartheid to happen in Palestine. In Gaza, they have, they've, had a, they've had a military blockade there for 15 years. Half the population of Gaza, a million people, are under the age of 15. They've never gotten out of that prison. They've never traveled out. They've never come back in. They get four hours of electricity a day. 95% of the water is not suitable for human consumption. And when people start asking me to d denounce the fact that Hamas can fire, uh, you know, souped up roaming candles into Israel, I'm, I'm not responding to that anymore. And I don't think anybody should. I don't think anybody should even entertain that nonsense because that's what it is. It's nonsense. Sorry, I'm done. Got, got worked up there. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It happens. Yeah. I mean, a guy online called me. Called, I mean, he didn't. I baited him into doing it because I knew he wanted to do it. Uh, but it, sort of, you know, he called me an anti Semite, of course. Uh, that move. Um, oh, no. Well, what he, the way he did it was he called me, uh, what the fuck was it? It was Reagan's Lee Atwater. I'm, I'm a 21st century Lee Atwater. Um, and I just said, I, I leave it to, I leave it to readers and listeners, uh, and and to to, to uh, you know examine the things that I'm saying, and examine what it is. And I I feel morally pretty comfortable. I feel like I'm on pretty moral, sound moral ground. So if anybody wants to you know, blob those you know those insults at me, I, I I'm, that's cool because I feel pretty good about my position on this. I feel pretty good about your position on this as well. Yeah, I wonder, and this is the other thing. I mean, speaking of like not being able to do anything about the, you know, the development in Wilmington. This uh, situation about like the the progressive Christian Zionist, um, the reactionary sort of conservative center, the the Chris Coons type. I, I don't like. They, they, they're in, they're they're entrenched like it's they're I, I don't know how I, I don't even know like I said I, I I'm getting to the point where I don't entertain like the talking points about like you have to uh, denounce Hamas and by the way Hamas is uh, the, the legal they have the legal right to administer Gaza because we made when, when we when they took the settlements out of Gaza we made them have a, a, a democratic election because they had to have a democratic election and that's who they fucking elected the Hamas, who the the Mossad created to be a to be a, a a power to suck power away from Fatah and from Abu Mazen. Ah, see, I'm getting all into it now. God damn it! I just uh, like it, it, I can't. I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how to how to stop. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like because at least I, I maybe I was too young to see a lot, everything that happened with the divestment in in, in 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 South Africa I mean I remember it happening and I've read about it but I don't obviously I wasn't in the culture I didn't feel it what was happening you know in society I, I kind of watched it as a little kid um, and this is so much worse you know because because uh, you know nobody called you nobody said you were anti-dutch nobody said you have you're racist against the Dutch you hate African people no one said that didn't that didn't exist. You know, no one. You know, no one. There, there weren't. There were some sort of secret ones, but there weren't just nonprofits that were shipping. You know, couples from Brooklyn to go steal somebody's house in the West Bank. That didn't. That wasn't really happening in South Africa. Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they have they have nonprofits that, that you know that, that place people from fucking Florida to go take somebody's fucking 
fig farm. The fuck is going on? Like this is this is unprecedented. And so I don't know, like, and I guess I keep going back to sort of the disappointment that that the screen campaign couldn't make more of a, a hit on Coons because he's such a, a, a deplorable figure. Um but I know that he's he's revered in circles, I guess, because he was a Democrat and sort of in that Biden wing and you know that's that's the Delaware way guy. I mean, he lives right down the street. So, like, I, I, I'm 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 not optimistic about it. Even though I said everything that I said and I feel comfortable about it, my my optimism is very low. I think that um that I'm gonna go. So you, you know when you say just the screen campaign, you know it's gonna strike a nerve with me. Yes. Every I think that people are not fans. Of the, He's a very good book cover, okay? Because when people, if you get down to his voting records or you get down to anything, and this is the one thing that I think that that's this last election cycle, I hope that if you don't pay enough attention to anything else I said, I hope it made you open your eyes to how important it's not politics, it's policies are. Because how somebody votes on their different policies tells you who they are and what is important to them. And there is no other way around it because there's certain things then no matter what, you're not going to budge on because that's going to, it speaks to who you are as a person, as in your character. And I think that he and a lot of other Delaware politicians are getting away with the fact that people in Delaware act like, oh, politics are taboo. Oh, we can't talk about this. Or I don't want to call. No, you should. You shouldn't want to know how people that you claim, that claim to like you feel about things that are important to you and other people. Because the thing is about when we talk about discrimination, racism, anti-Semitism, any of that stuff, the thing is, is that at any time we can change the title and it's the same thing. Okay. You are discriminating, hating, violent against people for no reason or for a reason that makes no sense. And I just want to do this moment to shout out the Alabaker program because April Walker does this excellent exercise this shows us how easily that any of us, if we don't check ourselves, could be fall into these same categories. So again, Alabama Black Organizers Group, shout out to April Walker. You need to, you, you, you really should, we have to check ourselves. And if we don't understand where these things come from and how it starts, it doesn't start out saying, saying, hey, I want to go kill somebody today. Let me find somebody brown. No, that's not how we start out. It starts by planting these little seeds and these little ideas. And we think, oh, such and such wouldn't do that because they're a good person. Despite the record, then probably not being as good of a person as we think they are. That's my tangent. No, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, tr I, I, I like going right at people who are, who are the main sort of the powerful cogs in it. But yeah, I mean, everybody just sort of just um, indifferently sort of consents but, you know, just steps out of it. Like you said, we're not supposed to talk about it. So, you know, if, if the way we measure success is that a number goes up on a spreadsheet, the fact that the, the, the fact that the impact of that is like what Carl explained, well, I mean, that's not his, that's not their fault. They're just trying to get the number to go up. The fact that it pushes people out of their homes and creates homelessness and people die, I mean, that's, I mean, you can't help that. I mean, the number has to go up. And so it just, it's getting people to challenge like these, these notions um yeah it's it's going to it's going to be like you said you're going to have to challenge yourself to not fall into them which is um uh, one of the reasons I I, I record these conversations cuz I try to challenge myself not to um but also yeah i mean you're going to have to going back to like the the collegial nature of the general assembly like that that's not the way politics works like you have to leverage your power to try to make material conditions change so that rather than trying to get a number to go up on a spreadsheet, we try to make sure everybody has housing and health care, say. Or we fund the schools. Like, that's, that's, where the, that's where we have to change people's minds is the, this, this cadre of morons that, that, that you think that you helped elect, that you know, half the people or more don't even vote. Like, they're, they, don't not, they don't not have our best interest in mind. Uh, but the, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a uh, it's a tough nut to crack, as they say. I don't know who they are, but I, people have said it. So. Hey. <laughs>
Carl, can you close us out with some like uh, some analysis, some some political science, electoral analysis, or some hope? Like, hopefully, hey, we're we're doing. Here's what we did today that's good. Can you do any anything? Can you help me? We're talking about Israel Palestine specifically, or just in general. I mean, just in general. I I actually would. I actually am interested in your position on uh, Israel Palestine because I I do know that you you were at the uh, you were at the demonstration uh, with me and and many of our friends and comrades. It was very nice to um, it was very nice to see how many people came out. A few hundred people on a Sunday evening. Um, of course, although we marched down Market Street and down Fourth Street to the police station, uh, you know, a c- couple hundred people stopping traffic. Uh, waving Palestinian flags. I even, what was cool was that Kobe and I were kind of bringing up the rear because just making sure people kind of stayed with it because it gets a little squirrely when you're in the street. And people were rolling up on us like, hey, what's going on? What's this about? Black Lives Matter? And 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 Kobe and another woman who was with him was like, yeah, basically, it's the same, it's the same thing. They were like, "Oh, tell me." There was a young, a really a young, probably a girl. I'm thinking she was in her teen. She was a teenager. Uh, was like, "What is what Palestine? What's that?" And they're like, and gave her like the two minute sort of version of it, and just said, "It's just like Black Lives Matter. It's the same thing." And so that was actually a little bit optimistic that people were like interested in that idea. But like, I, I was really hoping that more people would have come out. And I wonder also what you thought about that because I know you were there. Well, for some background. I am not Jewish, despite the last name ending in Berg. Um, my grandmother's Jewish. Um, she came over, or her parents came over during the pogroms in Russia in the early 1900s. Um, and so this was, despite that, this was never an issue that was really on my radar much growing up, um, other than just sort of like the default Israel. I know, you know, we have some family friends that are, uh, one of them actually was in a kibitz or whatever they're called. Um, yeah, kibbutz. It's uh, like a socialist, like farm commune thing. Yeah, Jew- yeah, Jewish commune. And they're like that family still fairly. They're they're otherwise very progressive, but still very Zionist. Um, so it's not an issue that I personally really was that involved in until very recently, just because of the broader progressive movement that I've you know aligned myself with. Um, so I don't think my position is very important personally, other than just like I stand in solidarity with the Palestinians, which is why I was at that march on Sunday. Um, Though I do think it is interesting to note what has happened with this particular round of violence. Um, Because obviously this has been going on since 1948. Uh, This is not a new thing, but I do feel, and I, I felt sort of similar. There's been a lot of this over the last year where it feels like this time is different, if that makes sense. There's been a lot of times where there's just been such a new volume and a new breaking of the consensus. And I think this is one of those moments on the Israel-Palestine issue because obviously there's been a bipartisan consensus in support of Israel, unequivocally support of Israel for as long as I've been alive, certainly, and certainly before then as well. But I think now more than ever, it's now actually up for debate. And I think the left and even a lot of Democrats, not even just like left are willing to consider that like, Oh, there's an actual clear issue of oppression going on here. And it's not just a thing that we can ignore Um, because there's a lot of people who were at that protest on Sunday that would not have been there if that process was held a year ago, possibly including myself, not necessarily that I wouldn't like have supported it, but like I wouldn't have maybe felt as compelled to go to it. Right. Um, uh, so I think that is encouraging, but unfortunately I think that the way that our politics is currently set up is that, that is not going to translate to an actual change in public policy in the short term, which sucks. It's not great, but unfortunately, especially with foreign policy, that's just the way things are set up because these, these agreements and these relationships go so far above all of our heads in a way that even something like policing is a lot more intimate. Um, And so that is the negative part of it. But the positive part of it is that now that this, you know, Palestinian liberation is, I think, embedded within this broader left movement, 
in a way that it wouldn't have been, say, 20, 30 years ago. Anything that we do to, and that's why, you know, saying that Black Lives Matter and Palestinian liberation, they're, they're the same thing. It's part of the same idea. You know, we're fighting against the same thing. It's part of the same movement. So everything that we do for Black Lives Matter is going to help Palestinian liberation. Everything we do to fight for Medicare for all is going to fight for Palestinian liberation. And that doesn't mean that we can just like let that by the wayside. It has to be continually reinforced. It has to continually be reminded about. And it has to be continually taught because needless to say, this is not a perspective that a lot of us get. It's not one I got until I really started working with Medina, who has been protesting this issue for years. Um, so I think it has to be a part of this. And then as these movements gain power, eventually, nice thing about um, the way our system works is that if you get power for domestic issues, if you're at the federal level, you also get some control over foreign policy issues as well. And that's the only way that this is actually going to change is gaining and building power. Because there's nothing that I could physically do right now, like no set of actions I could take that would end the occupation of Palestine. Just as a person right now. What I could do is work to gain power for progressives in federal government, and then they have the policies to change that stuff. And that's oversimplifying it, obviously, a little bit, because there's a whole bunch of other constituency building and organization stuff that is going to be necessary to facilitate that and to provide the actual um, infrastructure to make that happen. But I think that is an important thing to note now that that dam has sort of been broken, that that opens up the possibility for this to be on the agenda. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to get real excited about like, hey, the, the narrative is shifting, but the narrative is shifting. Um, you know, I do think it has something to do with Black Lives Matter. Um, not only has, the, you know, has it has the situation sort of ramped up and there have been leftists in, in, in politics able to say something about it. Um, but, you know, we sort of I think that there's a nascent sort of thing that's happening, that there's an understanding, like Carl said, that these things are are connected like that. It is like what people say when they say free Palestine, what people say when they say Black Lives Matter. I think if they think it out, it's the same thing. It, it, it's, uh, you know, and, and so when people hopefully that nascent idea actually, you know, grows into something uh, useful that Carl can then take and, and, and put towards some sort of incredible election victory. Uh, let's hope. So Ty, what else is going on? Um, what what else are you are you working on? Are you still because the other thing we haven't uh, got to, which we I think we're going to talk about uh, in a couple of weeks as the general assembly starts to wrap up, is like how we feel about some of the 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 issue campaigns we've been on so far that we've you know whether it's minimum wage, uh, paid family and medical leave. Um, legal weed, um, you know, things that a lot of things that had been talked about. Uh, I'm not even going to include uh, police reform because we we already see that you know we see where that's we see what they're doing with that. Uh, yeah, so um, I I'm I'm starting to and again I, I don't I don't even I'm not even disappointed because I'm prepared for just this inaction and nonsense. I'm pretty much prepared for, to get nothing. From the Delaware General Assembly, I mean, I don't know what your what your feeling is. You guys have been doing so much fucking work, especially for fifteen dollar minimum wage and paid family leave, but I have no confidence even in like the coalition in the Senate to 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 to, to push this stuff through. I don't right now. I I I, I it's complicated. <laughs> I'm gonna wait to June. I'm gonna wait until June thirtieth. So the first week of July, we can have this conversation again. Because I want to still, I'm going to still have hope. I still have a little bit of hope. I, I still have hope. The tizzy is going to wow me with this, with something. Tizzy and Kendra are going to come to the table with something. I, I, I still want to have hope. Okay. And the reason why I say I want to still have hope is, is because so many different things are being done behind the scene that are making so much ground, you know. Like when 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 you're able to get attention from people or get people to vote a certain kind of way, and the things they've been doing, like at the grassroots level, 
in Kent County, like WFP has been pounding the pavement. Okay. And so because of the things that they've done and people are seeing it and hearing about it, I'm going to give them hope because I'm going to give them hope because I feel like they know people are paying attention probably more than they have in the past. And there's nobody to blame it on this time that we have no distractions. You know what I mean? So like right now, everybody has to stand on their own merit. There is nothing that's distracting you from pushing your agendas right now. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold up hope until June 30th before I make a a decision on, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep hope alive. I think we still have time. I don't think it's going to go very far, but I want to at least see the bill. Yeah. I mean, I can keep hope alive. I can, I can, I can do it. Hope, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. I, I mean, I know you guys are crushing it on the, on the organizing. I know that, you know, it was, and I think we talked about it at, at one, at some point, you know, when the, when the, when the draft legislation sort of leaked about police reform, um, you know, seeing who it leaked from was like, Oh, okay. Um, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, there's a, I guess that, I, and I know you guys have killed the minimum weight, you know, just crushed, uh, you know, targeted canvassing, targeted phone calls. And I don't know, man, I, I'm, I, it's, it's going to be tricky. I mean, what do you think, Carl? You've got, you, you've crunched the numbers. You've crunched the numbers. Yes. Right? Tell us, Carl, tell us what we're thinking about. And shout out our new organizers who've been killing it in Kent County. Please give them a yeah. shout out. I'm yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, shout out to Navruz, Rachel, Susan, yes. Adam. Yes. And yes. we've also gotten some new uh, volunteers now that are showing up. Um, yes. I can't remember all their names, and I haven't been able to make it down there in a few weeks, which is which is annoying. But I'm, I'm heading back out there next week. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if I had to put money on it, I would say that a $15 minimum wage bill passes this year, just because there has been so much hullabaloo about it. Um, I don't know if I'd put money on saying that it doesn't get amended, though we have some tricks up our sleeves for that. Um, the issue is, I think we've seen with this legislative session, the difference between grassroots power and legislative power, if that makes sense. And not that they're not necessarily related at all, but there's certain people who have certain levers of power that unless we replace them, whether that be through elections or through leadership elections, nothing is fundamentally going to change. Um, and we saw that in the Senate that like when we replaced the leadership, hmm. a lot of things changed. And obviously maybe some of that change was allowed to a certain extent because they knew it was going to be limited in the House. But I think we need to keep in mind that this isn't just going to happen. And I think we've said this many, many times before. It's not going to happen in one election cycle. It's part of a broader movement. And even when we do change the leaderships, there's still going to be things in the way from the governor's office and the general state bureaucracy, from the FOP, from the Chamber of Commerce, from individual small businesses that still have power in our economy. Um, you know, this is not something that we're going to be able to do everything that we want once we get the people we want in there, because it's a very complicated system, but I do think that we're making progress. And I think that every door that we knock, every event that we hold, every new organizer that we train is going to pay massive dividends down the line because it means that's somebody who's going to be able to get, talk to another person who is going to be able to host another event, who's going to be able to train another organizer. Um, and I think, I don't know if I've said this on here before, cause I say it with WP stuff and people get very annoyed with me. It's like a multi-level marketing scheme. Um, you know, it's, you got to get your, your downstream. You got to get more people and everybody who gets more people then gets more people. Uh, except instead of trying to sell, I don't know, fruit Sundays or something, I don't know what they sell. Um, we're trying to change the state for the better. Yeah. No Amway or, uh, or supplements. It's actually good stuff. No, I like that framing too about, because I, as you said, I mean, grassroots politics and and sort of grassroots power and political power kind of play off each other. There's a, there's a relationship there, but it's not one-to-one. Like the actual influence you're going to get as you, you know, you could sign up 50 organizers, uh, but in, until, in, until Pistol Pete, uh, you know, until, until we can beat Pistol Pete, 
you know, that's where it's like, so there's a, there's a formula there that you need, you know, some sort of mass. But I think, as you said, I, I really do think it's growing. I mean, uh, uh, is it Navruz? Is that the guy? Is that the Navruz. guy? Navruz. Because I know I saw his name because, uh, he, he had an, he has an invitation actually, cause I don't talk about Kent, uh, Kent organizing. So yeah, definitely let him know he can come back. Cause I, I, I love, uh. I love the, the new people who were crushing it. And again, and also it's, again, with um, with this, it's also, you know, the struggle is the training for the struggle. Um, we are all like, I know this is my first legislative session. I've been doing issue campaigns. Ty, I believe it's yours as well. Um, obviously, like we get some experience from electoral stuff and just from life stuff, but um, we're going to make mistakes. I know I've made mistakes so far. Um, well, we've all made mistakes. <laughs> um, but the nice thing about this is we're going to learn, and then we're going to come back in 2022 for the next session, and we're going to know more. 2023, uh, the convergence of what we know that we need to change with what we're actually changing, you know, those are both going up. So, like, we're learning and we're organizing because uh, you have to do both together, and that's how you're actually going to change it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am... The fact that the movement is uh, sort of holistic, I mean, you were explaining how, you know, how Black Lives Matter and the Free Palestine movement come together or how the, you know, the, the, the point of organizing is to apply some political pressure. But it's also, as Ty said, just to get people in the community to think like, oh, there's people out here like thinking about this stuff and maybe they'll run somebody for, in my district and I can vote for them when I never voted before because I know these people are actually just trying to help like the situation rather than making a number go up on a spreadsheet. And so as a, as a long-term project that is, is thought out and, and, and developing based on general principles that cover this kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I, I am, I can say that I am very optimistic about that. No question, especially, especially seeing how many of those people are, are young. Um, I did meet a, a, a an older gentleman uh, at, at the protest who's a big uh, podcast uh, supporter and patron comrade of ours. So we do even have some some older folks now coming out, you know, s s stretching their legs, get get mixing it up in RD meetings. Shout out to Chris up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's there is a there is a feeling of a movement. You know, it's not uh, you know transactional. It's not too narrowly focused. I mean, as Carl said, their mistakes are made and this strategy sort of changes, but the pillars that undergird everything are there. They make sense. People have thought them out and, 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 and the, the strategy is being implemented with a purpose. And it's not just, you know, a single race, a single issue. Um, it's, it's solidarity with a lot of different organizations. We've been covering that in the call too, about how everybody are being able to reach out and find, uh, different organizations to come together and it's not even just a one-time thing they're working together you know through the session and then into into election campaigns or into other issues or whatever in their community so yeah in a broader sense um we will win like i i might not be around to see it but if we do have that hope i think all of this organizing works no question well we've reached the end of another just a just an absolute ripper um, I don't think I got too out of hand. I don't think Carl's going to have to do too much, um, you know, sort of like clipping and kind of. We might have to edit myself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> how about that? So that's how you know it's good. If Carl's like, man, I shouldn't mind. I said that. Um, yeah. I mean, we definitely put our put our. Uh, we didn't just put our toe in the water. We 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 went in head first into the deep end of some provocative topics. Um, you know, if 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 they hurt your feelings, um, you know, let me know. I. I probably won't do anything about it, but you know, if you explain your, you know, your sadness to me, maybe we can talk about it on and, and record it. We can get your get your side of the story. Yeah, I would love to. Well, I've only I've only had uh, a few sort of like adversarial situations, like really, really adversarial, um, and they've all been pretty good. Like the first guy, we had a guy, we had a reactionary guy at the, at the Chelsea Tavern bar that came down, and I, and we were talking about like he was like a pro cop reactionary dude. What actually worked out pretty good. He didn't like poor people. That was a little weird. But you know, it was a fun, it was a fun to do. And then I argued with Del Colo in here. Uh, Carl cut it all out, and then he lost anyway. So fuck that guy. 
see what happens. See what happens. You see what ha see what ha see what happens, Tony? You come into the fucking jerky town, and now what happened? Now you're just now you're just a now you're just a, a reactionary lawyer for the Chamber of Commerce or whatever. What is he? Is he, yeah, he's he some some. I think he's in the caucus. Like he still works down there. Oh, he's the lawyer for the caucus. That's what it is. He's some kind of like he's checking to make sure everything's constitutional. Get the fuck out of here, Tony. Um, yeah. Well, thank you guys uh, for everything. You guys know how to hit the show up. Um, you know, every little bit helps. We just bought some new equipment because we're reopening this fucking John pretty soon. That's right. We're reopening the bunker very soon because we got out of this. So uh, if you'd like to help us sponsor some of our new equipment, uh, patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker, please help us. And everyone, speak to you soon. Left is best. But generally, when he chops it up, I always had to keep it in my mind. He's going to find something to put in at the end. He puts like a... So if I mispronounce anybody's name or mispronounce a word, I, I know that's going in the end.